It is a distinct honor and pleasure to stand before you all this morning uh, proclaiming the holy, active, and powerful word of God. Uh, before I begin, I want to first and foremost just express how grateful I am to the pastor of this church, uh, Pastor Derek Puckett, for this opportunity. Uh, I've known Pastor Puckett for about 10 years now. Um, it, was, it was Pastor Derek who, while I was a young man at Indiana University, who, who took me under his wing and, and discipled me uh, and granted me opportunities uh, to serve in ministry there with him. And then fast forward here a few years later, here in the city of Chicago, it was Pastor Derek who welcomed me here uh, to help him, to assist him and his wife Kaylee as, as they followed out on God's plan for their lives, which was to plant this church. So I'm extremely grateful to them. Um, I owe all of my opportunities, uh, a lot of them to Pastor Derek. Um, and I'm studying now here at Moody Theological Seminary, partly in because of, of the ministry and the work that, that Pastor Derek has, has poured out into my life. Uh, I also want to say a quick word. My wife is here. Um, we've been married for two years. And let's just say that, that God, he, he, went, he outdid himself. All right, he outdid himself. And also, I want to say a quick word for Chris Tabron, who's here. Many of you may know him, but it was Chris who, on his skateboard at Indiana University, rolled up to me and proceeded to share the gospel with me. Um, and it was at that moment, moment that I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ and, and look at me now. So uh, I just want to thank Chris for his courage back then. And if you're able, could you please stand as we read God's word together? Um, the text that I will be coming from is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, as well as verses 8 and 9. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 5, and verses 8 through 9. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He writes... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also is our comfort through Christ. And then skipping down to verse 8, he says, for we do not want you to be unaware of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. These are the intimate and heartfelt words of the Apostle Paul to that unruly congregation in the city of Corinth. And yet, what a word of hope for you and I this morning, here in Chicago. Uh, for, the, for the next few moments, I want to talk about simply a friend called disappointment. A friend called disappointment. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, uh, we, we thank you for just another opportunity to, to gather with your people, uh, to hear of your, your powerful word, to, to have the freedom to do this without fear of what another may do to us. 
Lord, we don't take that for granted. And we ask now that you, you come here in this place, Lord God, that you, you fill this place up with the Holy Spirit, that you lift up the mighty name of Jesus, uh, and that you encourage us this morning. We pray these things in the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. In his book, Letters to a Young Doctor, it is the author and surgeon, Dr. Richard Selzer, who writes beautiful and compassionate descriptions of patients and their individual life dramas. In his book, he states, and I quote, most of us seem to be protected for a time by an imaginary membrane that shields us from horror. We walk in and through it every day, but we are hardly aware of its presence. As the immune system protects the human body from the unseen threat of harmful bacteria, so this mythical membrane guards us from life-threatening situations. And, and not every young person has this protection, of course, because there are some children who do die of cancer, congenital heart problems, and other disorders. But, but most of them are shielded and don't realize it. Then, as the years roll by, one day it happens. Without warning, that membrane tears, and horror seeps into a person's life or into that of a loved one. It is at that moment that an unexpected theological crisis presents itself. And this church is what I would say is true of many of us. That sure, we know of many who have had to deal with unforeseen hardship from an early age. But most of us have been shielded from this type of atrocity. And then it hits us unexpectedly. A dream that we have worked so hard for, that we were convinced would take place, fades from our grasp. Or, or what about plans that we authored with specific detail and, and that, we seen, that we thought would seem the, the approval of God himself, only to be erased by the pencil of life? Or what about someone who is currently living through the rocky road of romance? You planned from an early age of, of what that special someone might be like, only to experience disappointment through every dating relationship and lack thereof. Well, if that may be you, the Apostle Paul offers you and I hope this morning. He says that that pain, hardship, disappointment, frustration, and the like are actually, to the believer, the very means by which we experience the unexplainable power of God himself. This text is configured to teach you and I that God's incomprehensible power and overwhelming comfort are experienced at the intersection of frustration and disappointment. And, and what a marvelous yet disturbing truth that for the believer, this certain type of comfort, a, a certain type of divine intervention can only be experienced by walking through the hallway of hardship and disappointment. And, and I, I'll be honest, this is especially difficult for you and I living in today's culture the culture of, a, of ease, the age that tells you and I that, that whenever something difficult takes place, uh, whenever something uncomfortable happens, that, that something strange is happening to us. But if we were to be honest this morning, 
each and every one of us want to experience that which is unexplainable, that which is difficult to articulate. And the Apostle Paul, if he were here this morning, he would say this desire, this thirst can only be quenched by God himself. And often the disappointment is the vehicle in which we experience it. Entering our text here in 2 Corinthians, we meet the Apostle Paul at at one of his most difficult moments in his ministry. I mean, could you blame him? This is the famed apostle who, who encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the one who wrote the majority of the New Testament that we read, the one whom you and I could currently watch on the big screen. It is this apostle in this very moment who is overcome with grief and disappointment. The very church that he started himself, that that God used him to plant in the city of Corinth, are now beginning to doubt his very apostolic authority. And and, and what an encouragement for you and I this morning, that that even if God has called us to that career, that, that even if God has called us to that marriage, that that does not mean that that will come without hardships and struggles. But but notice the response of the apostle to this difficulty. He he immediately turns his attention to God himself. He writes in verse 3, you can look with me on the screen, a praise, a a blessing to the Almighty. He, He states, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. The ambitious apostle, in his distressing, disappointing, and dreadful moment, runs to the God who promises to never leave him or forsake him. And and you may say to me, that's obvious from this text. Um, But but if we were honest, how many times when, when it seems as though God is ignoring our cries for help, that we turn from him? Isn't it difficult when when situations in our lives turn from bad to worse and God seems as though he is busy or seemingly uninterested? But but here, Paul shows a holy determination, a a holy grit. And instead of ignoring God, he, he actually blesses his name. And because he blesses his name, something amazing takes place. The text says, once again, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. This blessing by the Apostle Paul allows for something unexplainable. When we we bless God in our dire circumstances, no, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the situation will immediately change. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that that our prayers will even be answered in the way that we would like. But something greater and even more profound takes place. When we turn our full and undivided attention to God, we experience the reality of a deeper and greater revelation of God himself. When was it that Paul realized that God was the God of comfort? When was it that that Paul realized that God was the God full of infinite mercy. This took place in the midst of his difficulty. And and this is unpopular because when disappointment comes to our doorstep, 
when dreams go unfulfilled. We tend to believe that the way back to restoration is to be removed from that unwanted experience. But the Apostle Paul teaches you and I that, that what we need is not to be necessarily removed from this unwanted experience. We, we don't necessarily need to, to put our grit and work harder. We don't necessarily even need more programs. We don't necessarily need intellectual knowledge. But what you and I need, according to this text, is the intimate acquaintance with God himself. It's, it's, it's sort of like what C.S. Lewis, Lewis writes about in his book, you know it, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where during the difficult World War II bombings of London, four English siblings are sent to a country house where they will be safe. One day, Lucy, while bored in the large country house, finds a wardrobe that transports her to, ma to a magical world called Narnia. And after coming back, she soon returns to Narnia with her brothers, Peter and Edmund, and her sister, Susan. And they embark on a memorable journey that would have been experienced, that would not have been experienced, if not for the unforeseen difficulty leading them to that old country home. In the same way, you and I will never experience the unimaginable, deep revelations of God himself without the difficulty that ushers you and I into the wardrobe of the Almighty. This text tells the hopeless spouse that he or she does not need primarily another lover. What he or she needs is, is, is the overwhelming comfort and encouragement of a God who promises to empower you to, the same, to love the spouse that you do have. The depressed young professional needs to understand that that new career won't necessarily grant that feeling of purposeless, of purpose. But what he or she needs is to experience the sweet, satisfying joy found in Jesus Christ. The, the famed songwriter, he would put it this way. Just to know him, just to know him. Oh, how he cares for you. Oh, how he cares for me. Disappointment and the like guides you and I into the secret place of the Almighty. Not only is God our sovereign God, not only is he immutable, unchanging, all-powerful, but the God we serve stoops low to comfort and encourage his children when you and I need it most. But, but even in our text, we see something else. Difficulty, pain, and hardship, yes, they produce something deeper in us. The Apostle Paul, writing in the depths of his own pain and disappointment, states in verse 3 that what has happened as a result of this difficult experience has made him a man of compassion. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, here it is, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
And there are, there are many characteristics that, that believers in Jesus Christ should possess. We should be people who are generous. And, and I'm not just talking about financial generosity, but, but what about generous with our most precious commodity, our time? The believer in Jesus Christ should be known as a person who, who is able to, to have a conversation with a stranger. We Christians, we, we also should be known for, for our sense of justice. I mean, we serve a just God. He is just in all of his judgments and his ways. Christians ought to be known for, for being those people who speak up for those who are unable to speak up for themselves. But this text, this verse, primarily teaches you and I that hardship, difficulty, disappointment, has the uncanny ability to move the believer in Jesus Christ to a person of compassion. The person who has tasted disappointment, who, who has been comforted by the Almighty, is naturally moved from a, a self-focused life to a other-focused life. The beautiful person is, is, is beautiful not simply because of their preoccupation with themselves, with their own needs, with, with their own plans. But the beautiful person seeks to give God what has granted, what he has seeks to give to God, to others, excuse me, what God has granted to them. And you say to me, that's nice, but, but what does compassion primarily look like? Compassion is, is, is seen in action when, when you and I, when we, when we walk by that homeless man or woman and instead of ignoring as if they exist, we, we look them in the eye with dignity, knowing that the only reason we're not in their place is because of the gracious acts of God himself. Compassion is, is what is seen when, when your friend comes to you with the same overwhelming, often careless and another lackluster decision that they've committed. And you remember how, how God has been patient with you in your repeated struggles and hardships. And what a, what a different world we might live in if Christians were known, not, not simply for our stance on social issues, if, if we were known not, not simply for, for the rules and regulations that we do and do not keep. But what if, what if Christians were, were known for the, the compassion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because if you remember, it, it was Jesus who looked with compassion on the men covered in leprosy and proceeded to do the unthinkable and touch those in whom society claimed was untouchable. It was, it was Jesus who, after an exhausting day of ministry, looked into the crowds and did not see men and women simply demanding more of him. But he was overwhelmed with the spiritual aloofness and, and utter confusion of men and women made in the very image of God himself. How is it that you and I have been saved from our sins? How is it that we've been granted a living hope? How is it that you have continued in this Christian walk, though others have faltered and given up? It is because the God and Father of compassion the God of, of all mercies has kept you and I on a straight and narrow through Jesus Christ.
Disappointment is allowed into the lives of the believer, not to destroy, not because we serve a cruel and passive God, but God uses pain and disappointment to carry you and I to a greater awareness and sensitivity to the needs of others. But, but can you see Paul? Can you see him sitting at his shabby old desk, writing this, this intimate and heartfelt letter to the church of Corinth, writing with, with tears falling down his face as he struggles to articulate the, the emotional toll and hardships he has faced on their account. Embarrassed that this very situation has caused him, has caused him to, to wonder what exactly is God doing? Has caused him to, to, to wrestle with disappointment and rejection from those in whom he loves the most. And yet, though abundant his disappointments, so abundant is his comfort from God. This, this is why the believer in Jesus Christ should always remain hopeful. It is not because we should relish in our own strength. This is why the believer always has the upper hand. And this is why we can walk through this world with unmet confidence and hope. It is because not, life will not always be smooth sailing. It's not even because you and I will always see the dreams that we've wanted come to fruition. But the Christian can live with unparalleled joy, unmatched hope, and deep abiding peace because the greater the difficulty, the more pronounced the disappointment, the more God releases his abundant comfort and encouragement. And, and this is why Horatio Spafford, after experience the, the, experiencing the tragic death of his young son to pneumonia. After losing much of his business in the Chicago fire of 1871, and then after even losing his four children in an unforeseen and tragic shipwreck, could write that hymn, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. But finally, finally, the, the Apostle Paul, he makes sure, he makes sure to include that, that what he writes concerning comfort is not a hardship that he heard about. This, this is not some peculiar difficulty that, that he read or learned about. But these words that he has so eloquently penned to the Corinthian church is that which he experienced himself. And, and what conviction comes to the person who, who speaks powerfully and gracefully and deliberately that which he has experienced himself? And, and I'm convinced what this world needs is, 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 is a society is a people that, that actually speak that which they've experienced. I don't think our society 
simply needs more intellectual knowledge. What society is thirsting for, what culture unknowingly desires, aren't just more learned Christians with exceptional gifts and eloquent words. But what we need are men and women who speak of the joy and power of the Lord, not only because they have read about it, but ultimately because they have experienced it themselves. He writes in verse 8 through 9, for, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And this is why, this is why for the believer, hope always abounds. And, and Paul, in this situation, he chooses not to, to disclose the specifics of his situation. Was, was the affliction and the hardship, what was it that Paul faced? Was it a, a physical ailment that he received of some sort? Or maybe it was the result of that emotional grief that he experienced from the ministry. Either way, I'm glad he didn't disclose that information. Because what this text teaches us is that really God is so great that he's able to comfort you in whatever affliction it may be. For some of us, we wrestle with that, that overwhelming affliction of, of financial hardship. Uh, for, for others, it's the, it's the, 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 the they deal with the, the struggle of relational strife. And still for others, it's a psychological issue that we must wrestle with. But whatever it is, the Apostle Paul gives hope that even when it looks over, even when the book is seemingly closed, the believer in Jesus Christ is actually in the place when God desires to show his power most effectively. These verses were penned to encourage you and I that difficulty, affliction, frustration makes its way in our lives so we would understand that true power comes from our utter dependence on God himself. And I know, I know we often despise the hardships that come our way. We wonder, why is it that, that God would allow this type of difficulty? The Apostle Paul would state that, that this has entered into your story so, so that you would not rest on your own intellect, not on your own influential network, not even on your own hard work and grit, but that you would rest on the only one who has the power to restore you even in situations that you believed were hopeless and deathly. And, and, and you know, this text, this text makes me, it makes me grateful for the Apostle Paul. I'm grateful for, for his ministry and his faithfulness and his perseverance. I mean, who experienced what Paul experienced? Stoned and brought to life. Betrayed by his very congregation. And his perseverance is seen here in the power of God. But, but this text, as is the entire Bible, is all about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Because it, it is Jesus who, who underwent the greatest agony, shouldering the sins of the world and the fiery weight of God's wrath. It, it was Jesus who, who was betrayed, who, who was mocked. It was he who was, who was beaten and, and, and crucified on a tree. And when it looked over, when it seemed that the chosen one, the holy one, while laying in a tomb, God did the unthinkable and raised Jesus from the dead. He did the improbable. And this is why the believer in Jesus Christ always has hope. Because if God raised Jesus, if God saved Jesus, if God glorified Jesus, if God gave Jesus the name that is, a witch, that is above every name, that God also will encourage you, will raise you in those situations that you seemingly thought was over. And therefore, like, like the songwriter, I state without a doubt that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That is why, to the believer, that very difficulty that you deemed would destroy is actually the very conduit by which you see God's miraculous and mighty power. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that, that hardship and difficulty has not been brought into our lives to, to destroy us, to, to kill us, to end us. But this difficulty, uh, this hardship, this, these frustrations, whatever they may be for someone here, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's the frustration of not being where they would like to be in life. These are not meant to, to overwhelm us and destroy, but to show us that we need a greater help. We need a mighty help. And that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I pray you encourage us this morning. You allow us to take this truth, stick it in our back pocket. And, re and remind us when those times come, when it seems as though all may be lost, that to the believer in Jesus Christ, God is showing himself strong in those very moments. And we say all these things in the mighty and majestic name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hey, give it up for him, man. That was a great message right there. Just reminded that no matter what we go through, man, but Jesus, uh, no matter what the trial is, but Jesus. And the beauty of that message is that, that the things that we go through, it points us to him. The harder, the more we get to Jesus, the, the bigger his presence is, the bigger the gift and his blessing will be. So um, that's a beautiful message right there, and I thank you for that.